The April 11th, 2023 meeting of the Arlington County Board of Zoning Appeals is now in session. Good evening and welcome to the monthly meeting of the Arlington Board of Zoning Appeals, which is also known as the BZA. I am Richard Kaplan, chair of the board. The board is made up of five citizens appointed by the circuit court. In addition to myself, we have Vice Chair Intimalis, Judy Freshman, Portia Clark, and absent tonight is Lindsay Arthurs. Also present is the professional staff, including Blake Bowen, Board of Zoning Appeals Coordinator, Meg Ryan, BZA Associate Planner, and Mr. Goldberg, sorry, I don't have your first name, Brett Goldberg, typo, uh, Associate Planner, and I believe Stephen Rissi is on Teams. He is absent tonight. He is not joining us. And Stephen Rissi is absent tonight, but zoning from Supervisor. We thank you for being here and extend a warm welcome. To avoid disruptions, we ask that you please turn your cell phones or pagers off or put them in silent mode. Before we begin tonight's hearing, I will discuss the board's powers and the procedures for tonight's hearing. The board's powers are prescribed in the Code of Virginia and are set, set out in further detail in the county zoning ordinance adopted by the county board. The Board of Zoning Appeals does not have the power to rezone property or to amend the regulations set forth in the ordinance. That authority rests with the county board. This board does have the authority to do three things. First, the BZA can approve use permits that allow modification of placement requirements for structures on one and two family lots where there is no option in the zoning ordinance to allow such modifications. In order to approve a use permit, the law requires that the board find that the proposal's use permit will not adversely affect the health or safety of persons residing in the neighborhood, will not be detrimental to the public welfare or injurious to the property or improvements in the neighborhood, and will not be in conflict with the purposes of the master plans and land use and zoning related policies of the county. In making these findings, the BZA shall consider whether the modification will promote compatibility of the development with the surrounding neighborhood because the structure's overall size, footprint, and placement are similar to those of the structures on the properties surrounding the lot in question, and whether the modification will help preserve natural landform, historical features, and or significant tree and, and foliage. When approving use permits, the Board of Zoning Appeals may impose conditions that it deems necessary in the public interest including but not limited to the duration of the use permit. Second, the BZA can grant variances from the specific requirements of the zoning ordinance. When granting variances, the burden of proof is on the applicant to prove by a preponderance of the evidence that it meets the following criteria. The strict application of the ordinance would unreasonably restrict the utilization of the property or that granting the variance would alleviate a hardship due to a physical condition relating to the property or improvements thereon, and the property for which the variance is being requested was acquired in good faith and any hardship was not created by the applicant. That the variance granted will not be of a substantial detriment to the adjacent property and nearby properties in the proximity of the geographic area, that the condition or situation of the property concerned is not of so general or reoccurring in nature as to make reasonably practical the adoption of an amendment to the ordinance. That the granting of the variance will not result in a use that is not otherwise permitted on the property or change the zoning classification of the property and that the relief or remedy obtained through the variance is not available through a special exception process as provided for under the zoning or subdivision of sub, excuse me, subdivision ordinance. 
Third, the BZA can decide appeals of decisions of the zoning administrator. When deciding appeals of the zoning administrator, the board must use its judgment to determine if the administrator was correct. Now on to tonight's hybrid hearing. For those who are participating in person, on the front table, you will find a QR code linking to a copy of the application package, including the staff report for each case before us this evening. For those participating virtually, a copy of each application package can be found on the Arlington County BZA website. There is also a link in the chat for the application packages. I recommend that if you have not yet seen that report for your case, that you review that report before your case is called. If you are attending virtually and lose connectivity, please reconnect with us by phone. If you are attending via Teams, please keep yourself muted and cameras off until called upon. Turn off the sound on any other devices around you to minimize interference. When called upon to speak, please turn your camera, please turn on your camera and unmute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon that is located in the meeting command bar. County staff does not have the ability to unmute you. The meeting chat is active for technical support assistance only. The meeting chat should not be used for discussion, public comments, questions about agenda items, or requests for more information. All public comments must be shared verbally or have been previously provided in writing for, for the record during the assigned public testimony period. This evening, staff will call each case and will provide a brief staff report and recommendation. Next, board members will ask any questions of staff they may have. Applicants or their representative will be given an opportunity to make comments to support the application or appeal. Next, all speakers for the item will be called. Speakers must fill out a speaker slip online, a speaker slip, um, which are available, I believe, on the table in the front of the room. Yep, I see a box. And I believe there's an online form as well, right? After we hear from speakers for and against the proposal, the board may permit the, may permit the applicant a brief opportunity to clarify any points. The board may ask questions of any speakers, but does not permit any cross-examination or direct questioning by others. For tonight's hearing, this board has deemed the, fo the following time limits for speakers to be sufficient. 20 minutes for applicants of appeals, five minutes for applicants of use permits and variances. We have deemed three minutes for representatives of organizations and two minutes for individuals as sufficient. After the board has gathered all, in, all the information we need and have discussed the case, we will decide the matter by voting on a motion duly made and seconded. A majority is needed to approve any motion. Public comments will take, will take place only within the allotted timeframes. During public comments, a speaker timer will be displayed on the screen and speaker podium. Please be respectful of the time allotted. This is a public forum and tonight's meeting will be recorded and posted on the county's website. All information associated with tonight's meeting, whether spoken or written, is subject to the Freedom of Information Act requirements. Any appeal from the decision of this board must be made to the circuit court in accordance with state law. After your case of interest is heard, you are welcome to stay for the balance of the session or leave at your convenience. We promise not to hold leaving early against you. Again, thank you for being here this evening. Um, before we call the first case, I'd like to take care of a few administrative matters. Um, the first one, as this board knows, we are planning to have a public hearing on April 20th at 7 p.m. 
for the purposes of going into private session to receive a legal briefing regarding ongoing litigation. To do that, we need to amend our calendar. Um, our attorney asked me to note for this briefing, Martin Krim, our attorney, will be participating remotely, but this does not invoke the remote meeting policy because Mr. Krim is not a board member. At this time, I would like to motion to amend the calendar to include a public hearing where no cases or appeals will be heard of the BZA on 4-20-2023 at 7 p.m. So moved. Second. Uh, motion made by Chair Richard Kaplan, seconded by Ms. Freshman. Is there any further discussion? With that, I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Aye. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. The motion to amend the schedule passes on a vote of four to zero. Um, second, a quick question for staff. Mr. Bowen, my understanding is, is that there are no outstanding appeals that have been filed other than the appeals that are the subject of ongoing litigation. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. We check our um, applications every Monday, and as of yesterday, we had no new appeal applications. And none that would have been ongoing before Monday, right? Correct. Thank you. Um, lastly, I believe we have a couple of items on the consent agenda for tonight. For the public's benefit, the consent agenda is used by this board to decide on agenda items that are complete and not non-controversial. An item can be removed from the consent agenda at any time by a board member or will be removed from the consent agenda if a member of the public desires to comment on that case, either for or against. Mr. Bowen, can you please call the consent agenda of cases uh, B-11828-22-UP-1, and V-11833-23-UP-1. Uh, yes, Mr. Kaplan, I believe um, the first case number, as uh, as we were um, communicating with the applicants earlier, I believe was at, may have been V-11829-22-UP-1. Um, could you clarify maybe the property address? Yes, um, I think that's correct. Did I not say 29? I believe you said 828. Sorry. Uh, yeah, item number six um, with the address 913 North Ivy Street. Thank you very much. Okay. Sorry about that. Absolutely. No problem. Uh, the first item being considered for the consent expedited approval motion is item number V-11829-22-UP-1, a use permit request by Audrey Winter, the owner, to permit a street setback of 3.2 feet to the uncovered front porch stairs instead of five feet as required from North Ivy Street regarding new front porch stairs on an existing one-family dwelling in the R6 zoning district on the premises known as 913 North Ivy Street within the Ashton Heights Civic Association. The second case being considered for the expedited approval via group motion is item number V-11833-23-UP-1, a use permit request by Ryan Berry and Amanda Konageski, the owners, to permit a street setback of 19.7 feet to the front porch, 18.4 feet to the front porch eave, instead of 21 feet to the front porch, 19.5 feet to the porch eave, as required from South Monroe Street, regarding a front porch addition to an existing semi-detached dwelling in the R5 zoning district on the premises known as 1325 South Monroe Street in the Douglas Park Civic Association. The staff recommendation for both of these cases was to, was to approve the uh, request um, subject to the conditions listed. Mr. Bowen, have we received any supplemental materials for this case, for these two cases? 
I do not believe we have received any supplemental materials for these two cases. No, I can do one more quick check of that, though. Just give me one moment. Does the board have any questions for staff on these two cases? Are there any speakers here to be heard on these two cases, virtually or in the room? We do not have any supplemental material or speakers that have signed up, except the applicants and owners that are here just to attend. Thank you, Meg. Uh -huh. Would anyone like to make a motion? Um, uh, Mr. Chair, I move that we uh, approve the cases in the consent agenda. A second. Um, a motion to approve. The consent agenda has been made by Ms. Malice and seconded by Ms. Clark. Is there any further discussion? I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Aye. Ms. Clark. Aye. The chair votes aye. The motion to uh, grant the consent agenda passes four to zero. Mr. Bowen. I understand that there may be some deferrals uh, on the agenda. Uh, yes, um, this afternoon we received um, emails from a few applicants about um, applications that are being considered for deferral to a later hearing. Um, I'm aware of three such cases that are on this agenda and there might be one that is on the fence about being on the um, deferred a month. Um, so I can tell you the cases that are definitively and then there's one more that I think you know our applicant here might be able to speak to. You, um, can you call the cases that we are sure want a deferral? Uh, yes. Uh, would you like for me to read just the case numbers or the full case language? Do we? Thank you. Full case language. Please. Full case language. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Uh, the first case that's being considered for deferral is V-11825-22-VA-1, dash 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 a variance request by William B. Lawson, Jr. on behalf of Thomas Peters, the owner, to permit a main building footprint percentage of 28.6% instead of 25% as required, and to permit a total lot coverage percentage of 32.9% instead of 32% as required for a one-family dwelling without a qualifying front porch in the R10 zoning district regarding a new addition, a conservatory, with a fountain and built-in grill to an existing one-family dwelling in the R10 zoning district on the premises known as 3414 North Albemarle Street. Uh, the second case that's being considered for deferral is the associated use permit. This is item V-11825-22-UP-1, a use permit request by William B. Lawson Jr. on behalf of Thomas Peters, the owner, to permit a rear setback of 11 feet to the fountain instead of 25 feet as required and to permit a left side setback of 5.6 feet to the built-in grill instead of 8 feet as required regarding a new addition, a conservatory with fountain and built-in grill uh, to an existing one-family dwelling in the Arton Zoning District on the premises known as 3414 North Arbemarle Street. Just a moment while I get the case language for the third case. I can read the third case if you like. Uh, sure, absolutely, May. Go ahead. Okay. The third case considered for deferral is V-11831-23-VA1. A variance request by Dean Kretzinger on behalf of Lori Fischler, the owner, to permit a new addition that exceeds 50% of the aggregate floor area of the existing building on a non-conforming lot in the R27 zoning district regarding a new rear and side addition to an existing semi-detached dwelling in the R27 zoning district on the premises known as 719 North Oakland Street in Ashton Heights. 
And then um, I'm sorry if I misspoke earlier. There's actually four potential cases for three properties that are considered for deferral. Um, the fourth case, and this is one that I would, you know, I would recommend that the applicant um, give us their most up-to-date preferences. But this is case number V-11830-23-VA-1, a variance request by Brittany and Jeffrey Perels Johnson, the owners, to permit a window well to an existing non-conforming multiple-family residential building regarding the addition of a new window well in the RA 1426 district on the premises known as 3603. South Wakefield Street within the Fairlington Civic Association. Questions for staff? Ms. Freshman. First, I think some of the numbers weren't in sync, um, but I think I assume that each case is going to be called and deferred um, individually rather than doing a blanket deferral. Okay. Se secondly, um, are we deferring? To what date? Is that to May? And if so, I'd like some in indication of what the May agenda may already look like. Uh, yeah, from a staff perspective, we're absolutely happy to hear, you know, call the cases again individually and have the applicants speak if they wish to speak. Um, and then in terms of the May agenda right now, I believe we are, have about seven items docketed for it. So um, with these deferrals, you know, if, if four cases are deferred, we'd be getting up towards 11. I was I was going to try and attempt to do a group deferral, but I'm happy to do them individually. Yeah, if applicants wish to speak, um, it, it may be a good idea to call them individually. I would say yes. Mr. Chairman, or yeah, or Mr. Bowen, what was the third case? The case that Meg read, or the case the the final case I read. So it was the last case. Okay. Um, In Oakland Street. He read 31, right? Yes, Meg read, I believe. And you read 29, even though I think you said 30. The third case that I read off after Blake, it was V-11831-23-VA1, and that's located at 719 North Oakland Street. And then the fourth case that Blake read was V-11830-23-VA1, and that was for 3603 South Wakefield Street. I, I'm perfectly happy with deferrals. I just feel as if each case should be called and deferred, however quickly that can happen. I don't see them in the same category as a consent. Would, would anyone object if we um, take these deferrals right now out of order take it, so we can send the deferrals on their way? Mr. Chairman, I move that we adjust our agenda to take the deferrals um, separately at this time. Um, need a second. A second. Um, voice vote. On, a, on, on a motion to adjust our our agenda, um, agenda um, made by Miss Freshman, seconded by Miss I'm sorry, Miss Malice, seconded by Miss Clark. Is there any further discussion? Hearing no discussion, I will call the roll. Miss Malice. Aye. Miss Freshman. Aye. Miss Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. On a, a motion to adjust the agenda, passes five four to zero. Well, I guess we call the first, call the first, first case. First. Okay, I will um, reread the first case for Mr. Lawson. This is case number V-11825-22-VA-1, a variance request by William B. Lawson Jr. on behalf of Thomas Peters, 
the owner to remit a main building footprint percentage of 28.6% instead of 25% as required, and to permit a total lot coverage percentage of 32.9% instead of 32% as required for a one-family dwelling without a qualifying front porch in the R10 zoning district regarding a new addition conservatory with fountain and built-in grill to an existing one-family dwelling in the R10 zoning district on the premises known as 3414 North Albemarle Street. Um, based on the staff report um, that we prepared in advance of the hearing, the staff recommendation is that the board adopt the resolution denying the variance. An alternative resolution was provided in the staff report should the BZAC fit to approve the application as advertised. Since the staff report was written, we did receive confirmation from Mr. Lawson today that he wishes to defer this application. Any questions for staff? I believe there was supplemental material on the case. Yes, there was quite a bit of supplemental material for this case. Um, we received documentation from the applicant um, totaling 128 pages regarding uh, case law that may be relevant to the case and worthy of BZA's consideration, um, as well as two emails from the applicant um, and a BZA comment form of support. Any additional questions for Steph? Is the applicant or their representative here? Mr. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. William B. Lawson, Jr. I represent the applicant. I just want to apologize uh, to you all. I didn't realize until today that you didn't get all that material until what time was it? Noon? <laughs> Noon, yes. And as soon as I realized that, I got hold of my client. I said, we got to defer this a month. So I apologize. And so uh, one month is sufficient? Uh, May. May, May. would. Uh, I'm not going to be here in June, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. What is the date of I was just hearing? about to ask. May 17th. May 17th. May 10th or May 17th? 17th. Uh, I believe it's May 10th, according to my calendar. Really? May. I have a 17th on my calendar. I have it's May 10th, which is listed on the BZA website. Yeah, based on the calendar adopted by the BZA at the beginning of the year, we have May 10th. It's the 10th. Oops. Is there anyone here to speak to this item virtually or in person? Any discussion with the board? Mo motion. Uh, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Chair, I have to get used to that. Mr. Chair, I move um, that in case V-11825, Dash two two dash VA dash one and case V dash one one. Did we call both of them? We have only called the first okay. one so far. So just the, just the uh, variance. Correct. Uh, VA dash one that we defer this matter to our May seventh May tenth hearing. There a second. I'll second. Um, motion made by Ms. Malice, seconded by Ms. Clark on the deferral of this item to the May 10th BZA hearing date. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, I will call the roll. Ms. Malice? Aye. Ms. Freshman? Aye. Ms. Clark? Aye. Chair votes aye. The motion passes four to zero. Mr. Bowen, can you call the use permit for this case? 
Yes, Mr. Kaplan, uh, the associated use permit for this request is V-11825-22-UP-1, a use permit request by William B. Lawson Jr. on behalf of Thomas Peters, the owner, to permit a rear setback of 11 feet to the fountain instead of 25 feet as required, and to permit a left side setback of 5.6 feet to the built-in grill instead of 8 feet as required regarding a new addition, conservatory, with fountain and built-in grill to an existing one-family dwelling in the Artin Zoning District on the premises known as 3414 North Albemarle Street. Um, as provided in the staff report, um, the attached proposed resolution was to grant the use permit request with conditions. We also provided an alternative resolution of denial um, should the BZDA have seen fit to deny the associated variance request. However, as noted with the previous case, um, since um, as of today, we received um, supplemental materials from Mr. Lawson indicating his preference for deferral. Can you quickly describe the supplemental? Uh, it is the same supplemental material that we received for the last request. Um, it is um, case law totaling 128 pages, as well as two emails from the applicants, and then a BZA comment form indicating support. Would the um, the applicant's representative have any additional comments? No, sir. Any questions or comments from the board? Motion. Ms. Freshman. In case V-11825-22-UP1, I move deferral to the May 10 23 BZA meeting. There's second. I'll second. I'm, who was that? Ms. Mouse. On a motion made by Ms. Freshman and seconded by Ms. Mellis to defer this item to the May 10th, 23 uh, BZA meeting. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, I'll call the roll. Ms. Mellis. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. The motion to defer passes four to zero. Mr. Bowen, can you please call the next deferral? Yes, Mr. Kaplan, the uh, next deferral or the next uh, case on the agenda? Would you like to go in order or would you like to do the agenda, uh, the deferral items one by one? At we adjusted the, the agenda. The, the case. Adjusted the agenda. Okay, very well. The, the case that we're sure asked for a deferral. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that item is case number V-11831-23-VA-1, a variance request by D Dean Kressinger on behalf of Lori Fischler, the owner, to remit a new addition that exceeds 50% of the aggregate floor area of the existing building on non-conforming lot in the R27 zoning district regarding a new rear and side addition to an existing semi-detached dwelling in the R27 zoning district on the premises known as 719 North Oakland Street within the Ashton Heights Civic Association. Staff recommends that the board adopt the attached proposed resolution approving the variance request with conditions. Please note that we have received supplemental material for this case, um, including two letters of support. And then please note that we do have an additional speaker who has signed up to speak on this case as well. Any questions from the board? Does the applicant wish to speak to the deferral request? Good evening, Mr. Chairman and other board members. Uh, my name is Dean Kretzinger and I'm the applicant uh, for 719 North Oakland Street. Um, on behalf of Lori Fischler, the homeowner, I'm requesting a deferral so that we can, uh, our re request can be heard in front of the full board in the May meeting. In the May meeting. Mm -hmm. Just, does the board have any questions for the applicant? Thank you. Motion. Is, the, is there anyone wishing to be heard on the request for deferral? I believe we had one speaker signed up. We do. She's a, online, Cindy Nelson. 
Ms. Nelson? Okay. Is there a motion? Motion. Ms. Freshman. Can I clarify that this is Oakland Street? Yes. Yes. And the matter B-11831-23-BA1, I moved deferral of this uh, application to the May 10, 23 BZA meeting. Second. Motion made by Ms. Freshman and seconded by Ms. Malice on the deferral of this item to the May 10th, 23 BZA meeting. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. The motion to defer this item passes four to zero. Mr. Bowen, can we go back to the normal agenda and call the next case? Uh, yes, Mr. Kaplan, would you potentially like to consider the case that may be considering a deferral, or would we like to just uh, proceed with the regular order of the agenda? I think I think we only adjust only for yeah, the, I, only for those particular three items. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. All right. In that case, the next item on the agenda is case number V-11826-22-UP-3, a use permit request by Jay Zalea on behalf of Z George LLC, the owner to remit a street setback of 10 feet to the building wall, 9 feet to the building eave, instead of 25 feet to the building wall, 21 feet to the building eave as required, a street setback of 10 feet to the front porch, 9 feet to the porch eave, instead of 21 feet to the front porch, 19.5 feet to the porch eave as required, and a street setback of 17.5 feet to the rear detached garage, 16.5 feet to the garage eave, instead of 25 feet to the rear detached garage, 21 feet to the garage eave as required, all from the North 20th Street, um, regarding a new one-family dwelling and rear detached garage on a corner lot in the R6 zoning district on the premises known as 2001 North George Mason Drive within the John M. Langston Civic Association. Staff recommends that the board adopt the attached proposed resolution granting the use permit request with conditions. Uh, please note we did receive supplemental material for this case. Um, we received email correspondence from the applicant regarding neighborhood outreach efforts. Um, we also received six letters of support from surrounding neighbors, and we also received an email of support um, from the John M. Langston Civic Association. Do we have any speakers signed up for this item? We do not that I'm aware of have any speakers signed up for the case unless they've shown up in person. Uh, we're not we're not there yet, but give us a minute. Does the board have any questions or comments for staff? Mr. Bowen. Yes, Ms. Malice. Can you describe how this, we've heard this project before multiple times. Can you describe how this project has changed since we last heard it? Um, Just for the applicant. To... It may be better to have the applicant um, describe it. Um, there have been, over the course of this case being heard by the BZA um, multiple times, there have been some setback adjustments on the left side lot line. Initially, there were some features there that required side setback relief. And then there have been some minor adjustments to some of the street setbacks that are being requested. Okay, thank you. Any other questions or comments? Mr. Zalaya, is it? Is that correct? Thank you. Good evening to you guys. How are you? Good, good. 
So I, I guess I'll get right into your question here. Um, last time we were before you, um, the proposed home was a six bedroom, five and a half bath, uh, single family residence, which was proposed. And based on the feedback from the community, we met with uh, the Langston Community uh, Civic Association and kind of worked the plan a little bit to where we reduced the massing some. So originally we were also asking for a left yard setback relief and um, also a front yard. So we reduced the size of the home overall from the six bedrooms to a four and from five and a half baths to four and a half. And we also took down the overall footprint by a total of 1,044 square feet overall, which then leads us to just asking for that 20th Street side setback relief and no longer the front or the left. Um, so that's how we've reduced that. And also there was a finished attic, which was also removed from the overall plan, uh, again, which then goes to the over a thousand foot reduction because there was a concern about massing size visibility and based on all of our feedback all the support from the civic association and adjoining neighbors okay, um just joined <laughs> oh sorry i think all right we were able to uh we adjust the uh the uh, the 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 request to a single one, which is only on the 20th Street side. Now um, there was a concern about parking, and we have a small detached garage and a uh, parking pad, which would allow for a total of three cars uh, off street parking, which uh, for the single family residents, which we believe addresses that parking concern on the road. Um, and we've again we've taken back the front of the house so the visibility uh, issue was also addressed so when we met with the community and everybody um they really liked the new plan they they supported us they obviously gave a, a letter of recommendation so we we definitely took the scale of the house down quite significantly and i think it fits a lot better within the adjoining neighbors and um, everybody seems to really like the new plan Any questions for the applicant? I have a qu quick question. Um, you you just said um, you decreased by a thousand square feet. That's I assume that that's across all levels. That's what um, can you can you briefly explain what the ground level um, difference is and where that came from? Um, so the I. Uh, the question again, the ground level, you mean? Right, so so one, you know, take one floor, what was the square footage decrease and where, if I'm looking, if I'm looking at the plat, where, what's the difference? So the difference is the, the, uh, the original footprint was 1267 and it's come down to 1112. And we've removed that uppermost level, which was the finished attic space, which that was about five or 600 square feet. Yeah, itself. you know, I'm I'm sorry. Yes. Um. So the the 150 or so square foot floor on the ground level floor footprint, where did that come from? So oh, what, what so changed? that was that was a combination of a left side, left side, and, and the front. 
Okay. To to push it back because there was a, there was a there was a question about a visibility coming on 20th approaching um, George Mason. So we just pulled the house back some and made it narrower to conform with the front and the left side. So now we're only relief is on the uh, 20th Street side. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else for this applicant? Uh, I do have I do have a question. Um, would you have any objection to a condition that this structure not be converted to a multifamily at any time? Um, sure, because I mean that's not the intent. That's not the use. I'm not even sure that 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 use is permitted. Um, so I don't even know. I, I haven't even. We haven't thought about that. So I suppose that that's not part of our plan. So absolutely, if that's part of it, don't mind. I mean, it's a single family home at a four bedrooms, you know. I'll add um, from a staff perspective, that condition would not be necessary because multifamily uh, use would not be permitted in the R6 zoning district. On a missing middle EHO conversion? It's too small. <laughs> um, Hard to say yet, because um, but the BZA role in any uh, missing middle um, is pretty much, uh, to my understanding, moot. Uh, the BZA would not be involved in any missing middle decisions. That's well. What we're asking is, since we're granting a use permit, can we put a fence that it won't be converted? Right. So this this property today would not be able to be converted based on the the location. Right, because no use permits for an EHO are not allowed to come to the BZA. But if we grant use um, um, setback relief, then presumably at some date in the future, it would be able to, to be converted. Uh, well, zoning division staff has not been fully briefed on the missing metal. Um, the language has not been passed along to us yet. Um, there would be a separate permitting process required for any such conversion. So a denial could happen through that and would not necessarily need to be written in the BZA's approval conditions. Mr. Chairman, I just I have a I don't object to it, but I don't think it's necessary. It's not a condition that we normally put on any other new dwelling that we have approved. Well, um, this is all, and it's not going to stop anybody from having four single people living in in the house with four cars, which is a a problem throughout Arlington. So I just I don't see the need for it. Yeah, I um. You know we're we're in new territory here, and I I'm just trying to make sure trying to make sure that when um, when neighbors give their support for a project, they they they're giving their support for a single family home, and if under the new zoning changes that could be changed to a multifamily, I, it seems like the the neighbors ought to be aware that 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 could happen. It's not a crowding issue per se, it's just a use issue. Uh, I don't know if my if a motion would pass with this condition or not, but I'm I'm throwing it out there um, until until st staff can give us more certainty about whether whether the permitting process would have any influence on, on that. Um, yeah, and of course the BZA is welcome to impose its own conditions. I'm not sure it would be an enforceable condition, but that does not mean that we could we could not have it on the record. This this has 
you're, this has no, no, <laughs> don't no worry about this is no. between us and the sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I have heard a little bit about kind of the up and coming, uh, right. of, of, uh, uh, um, I will make legislation. I will make a motion and include that. And if, if, um, before you make a motion, um, my um, question on, oh, sure. for, I guess um, for us are, um, I think that there were three um, outreach issues on this house. And I think there's supplemental material. That, um, yes, has has that out, have we gotten letters of support in the outreach or just the pictures that I saw? Not letters of support. We yeah. have, uh, I think was it petitioned? In the supplemental letters material, letters we received support. six letters of support yeah. as well as an email from the Civic Association. One sec. That's in the supplemental that, that we were just. I thought, and maybe I'm out of date. There might be one missing. I thought there were three missing with pictures of a package dropped off. Okay. But I might be out of date because I was pretty busy today. Double check because I thought I, I thought only one was missing at this point. Actually, yeah, the only one I saw missing was 2000 Emerson, maybe. Oh, now I take it back. Yeah, that's interesting. I thought we had three missing, oh. and um, there was a there was a picture of a package dated the tenth on oh. three yeah, of the ahead. adjacents. I, I may be in error here. One of us is out of date, and I'm not sure <laughs> which. Yeah. Right. Um, I believe there. I saw an email. Oh, you're right. Yes, um, on the, in the email, um, the applicant stated that there were neighbors in uh, with which we were unable to make contact. Has has that status changed, or is that still the case? That's still the case. Uh, one of the properties was under extensive renovation, so the homeowners had moved out, um, so they weren't even available. So we couldn't reach out to them. Um, the other ones were just unavailable. We tried to reach out to them, but left packages. That's why I provided the. The photos of the full packet that we provided to them it was um, floor plans elevations explanation of the uh, proposed plan which i know the the county also provides to um all neighbors um so we went ahead and kind of overlaid it with our own uh, but we were you know yet not able to make any contact with them we were able though however to make contact with most of them um all three across the street directly next door um, across the street on the 20th Street side and uh, behind us as well. And the uh, Civic Association, of course, in its entirety. Thank you. So, um, discussion with the board? Um, uh, my view is the project has changed considerably since we first saw it. Um, and the, the relief that's being requested is reasonable. I, I agree with um, Ms. Malice. Um, my only hesitation is that we do have, it's a fairly large project and we have not gotten feedback from three of the pretty neighboring uh, neighbors. My uh, my original objection, um, this was one of my first cases when I joined the BZA, and my initial um, objection was with the, the garage taking up the, um, an additional footprint to the giant house. But I think the applicant has satisfied that objection by decreasing the size of the house and keeping the garage. So I was satisfied with that. I just have hesitation on the um, 
you know, it's a fairly large project with the outreach having started on the 10th um, as, as evidenced by the email and the pictures. And so that's really my only hesitation at this point. But I'm open to hearing others' views. Sorry, I can't. I think it's ripe. Let's go. Let's go. OK, motion. Mr. Chairman. Yes, Ms. Mellis. Uh, I move that the Board of Zoning Appeals adopt the attached proposed resolution approving the use permit V-11826-22-UP-3 subject to the conditions listed with one additional condition number five. The applicant agree, the applicants agree that the structure will not be converted to a multifamily dwelling. I'll second. Motion made by Ms. Malice and seconded by uh, Ms. Clark on the um, attached proposed resolution with an additional um, 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 restriction. Is there any further discussion? Um, I have a quick point to make that um, I, I support this motion and the additional restriction and um, while the county might not enforce it, it this would allow a, um, an adjacent homeowner to enforce it if it were to try to be converted to a multifamily dwelling and nothing in that um, language would restrict any future applicant from trying to undo that condition should they desire to convert it to a multifamily dwelling. Any further comment? I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Aye. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. The motion to grant uh, this use permit with additional restriction passes on a vote of four to zero. Thank you and good luck. Of course. Thank you guys. Good night. Good night. We'll miss you. <laughs> <laughs> Is it too late to change? <laughs> Thank you. Um, Mr. Bowen, can you call the next place case, please? Yes, Mr. Kaplan, the next case on the agenda is item V-11827-22-VA-1, dash 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 a variance request by Eduardo Estavo on behalf of Ann and Steve Anderson, the owners, to permit a main building footprint of 4,185 square feet instead of 3,920 square feet as required for a one-family dwelling with a qualifying front porch in the R10 zoning district regarding a covered patio addition to an existing one-family dwelling in the R10 zoning district on the premises known as 2115 South Arlington Ridge Road within the Arlington Ridge Civic Association. Staff recommends that the board adopt the attached proposed resolution denying the variance. An alternative resolution with conditions has been provided should the BZAC fit to approve the application as advertised. Um, as of right now, we have not received any supplemental materials, nor do we have any speakers that are signed up for this case. Are there any questions of staff? I have a question. Just it, it, I noted in the uh, staff report that there's a reference to the slightest separation would render the situation solved. Has the applicant been aware of that and given any feedback? Um, not to I mean, my are knowledge. Are we talking inches literally? 
from a zoning perspective, and this might not, you know, of course, we're not speaking from our colleagues in the Inspection Services Division who oversee the uh, Virginia Uniform Statewide Building Code, nor um, the Department of Environmental Services overseeing environmental regulations. But strictly speaking, from a um, zoning perspective, it could be an infinitely thin almost uh, separation, a matter of, let's say, an eighth of an inch or less. It seems a fairly obvious solution sure, in sure search does. of a problem. Thank you. Any other yes. comments, questions? I have a quick question for staff. Um, I believe in the application packet, It the letter from the applicant made reference to only needing six or eight square feet, but I believe that that was just referring to the footers and not the overhead coverage. Yes, and that is my understanding as well. Uh, from, a, from our perspective, the entire roofed over structure counts towards coverage. Thank you. Is the applicant or the representative with us? Come on down. Uh, Mr. Chairman and, uh, and BZA members, uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm Excuse Steve me. Anderson. Can you pull up my slides? Thank you very much. Uh, my wife and I have lived in Arlington now for 23 years in between uh, Army tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Korea. Uh, both my children are school teachers in Arlington. My son-in-law is a Arlington Youth Sports Director. Ten of my immediate family members live within a few blocks of me. I am therefore, we are therefore proud to call ourselves Arlingtonians. Uh, here are the key points that I wanted to talk about here over the next five minutes or so. Uh, granting this variance would benefit me and my family and our home in many ways. Next slide, please. Uh, the intent is to build an overhead cover that covers about half of the existing back patio. Such a cover would raise lot coverage to 28%, which is still far below the 35% allowance. Next slide, please. There is a patio today. Uh, as a service-disabled veteran that has spent way too much time outdoors in harsh desert, deserts of the Middle East, uh, I need shade on this patio in order to truly enjoy my backyard. Next slide, please. The staff report before the zoning board opposes our variance request because the roof is tied to the main house. The staff suggests a detached structure as a feasible alternative, even if it increases lot coverage. This seems to me counter to the intent of the Arlington lot coverage restriction. Next slide, please. These photos help to demonstrate why the roof that ties into the main structure is necessary. A detached roof would leave large gaps that allow for weather and solar penetration. Conversely, leveraging the innate sturdiness of the main home enables a strong roof that eliminates gaps and provides protection from foul weather. A roof integrated into the home would reduce energy consumption by reducing the greenhouse effect from large windows and glass doors. Next slide, please. Another problem with the detached roof alternative is that there's no room to build a patio cover of sufficient size. This is mostly due to the fact that there is a 1,000 square foot bioretention pond that dominates the yard area adjacent to the patio. And as we all know, construction is not permitted on a bioretention pond area. Unfortunately, this issue is not addressed in the staff report. In fact, the large bioretention system is not even mentioned. Truly a regrettable oversight. Next slide, please. Here's a photo of the retention pond area. Please note that the bioretention area begins less than two feet from the edge of the existing patio. The pond clearly limits any proposed construction in the vicinity 
of the already existing patio. Next slide, please. These photos attempt to reveal the steepness of the slope in the bioretention pond area. And in particular, please note the steps in the foreground of the photo on the hill going down. Next slide, please. The zoning board will not be surprised to hear that I strongly object to the staff assessment in the, in the area of the photos that you saw as, quote, largely flat. A slope that drops three vertical feet over a 10-foot horizontal distance is clearly not flat. Next slide, please. Denying this variance creates a hardship. I very much need a cover on my patio to reduce solar exposure and provide more protection from the increasingly frequent and violent storms that have been brought about by climate change. A detached structure would not provide these benefits and might adversely impact the existing bioretention system performance. Next slide, please. In summary, here are the main points from the preceding slides that I just covered. As a taxpayer with a high propensity for skin cancer and a military veteran with almost 50 years of public service, I'm asking for the zoning board's support of a patio roof that is integrated into the main house. Next slide, please. If you do approve this request, Rest assured, I will gladly agree to never modify, enlarge, or enclose the structure. And of course, I will submit a proper building permit. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Subject to your questions. Thank you. Any questions from the board? So you staff has presented you with a solution that seems reasonable, and I wonder why you wouldn't take that alternative. I don't feel it's reasonable for the reasons that I just talked about in the presentation. It's got to be tied to the structure. It can't just be an eighth of an inch away from the structure. That's not the same thing. I mean, I'm not a, a civil engineer, but I know enough about physics to understand that you need to secure the structure to have true stability to the house. I mean, you'll have a lot more stability attaching a structure to a house than you will to, well to a, a couple of posts. And that's my objection. I want to tie it into the roof that it already exists there, it's going to be aesthetically much more pleasing and it's going to be much stronger and there's not going to be these, these awkward gaps. I mean, even an eighth of an inch is going to allow water to run down the windows. Even an eighth of an inch is going to allow wind to blow behind and underneath the, the, the cover. Even an eighth of an inch is going to subject the windows to solar penetration and that's something I want to avoid. That's why a detached roof is not a clear, a, a viable alternative in my humble opinion. It needs to be tied to the main structure. So the standard for approving a variance is very high. And, you know, staff recommendation would indicate that you haven't met that standard. I would also agree that you haven't met that standard. Um, there are, you know, all, you have alternatives, and that's what's causing us a problem, causing me a problem. Um, the standard is a, is a hardship, you know, it's an economic hardship. And so you, you do have design alternatives that you could um, employ, but you, it, you know, you have a preference for this particular design. I don't believe that those are viable alternatives because by the time you do some standoff from the roof, you're not going to really have enough space to get the kind of coverage that you need. 
And as I mentioned, due to the proximity of the bioretention pond, you can't go any further off that patio than this. You got to build it on the patio. So it's, it's it's and we're not talking about a lot here. We're talking 265 square feet. We you know I can't I, you know we can't design the project here for you. We can just tell you what you know what we feel the obstacles are and what staff has indicated would be alternatives. I'm disappointed that the staff didn't consider the bioretention plant, Paul. It didn't even mention in the report. Uh, and he also and he also characterized the land the land back there as relatively flat. It's clearly not flat. I don't think the staff did their homework on this one, ma'am. I, in my, I, all I, I do respect. You know, you have a oversized lot, so the si your your lot size is not a factor here. You're an R10, and you've got over twenty thousand square feet to work with. So, um, you have a you're not constrained in terms of land. I want to put the the patio cover over the grill, and that is my constraint. I I need to put it on the grill. I can't be running gas lines across you know the rest of the property. I don't want to do that. I would prefer not to do that for a lot of reasons not the least of which is safety. So it's got to be on that patio. It's got to be in the location of that grill. That's why we need to tie it to the main structure so that it can provide the stability, the structural integrity that is needed to, to avoid the solar exposure, the wind and storm exposure, et cetera, and have the structural, the strength to be able to withstand the increasingly violent and frequent uh, uh, storms that we're all experiencing because of climate change. The board have any other comments or questions for this applicant? Thank you, Mr. Anderson. Any um, discussion with much. the board? So my view is it doesn't meet the standard for a variance. Uh, so I would um, support the staff recommendation and move for denial. Uh, open to hearing from my colleagues, but if not, I'll go ahead and make the motion and test it. I guess my only comment would be, um, I suppose that the building, the Arlington Building Department would be the arbiter of what would or wouldn't be structurally sufficient in Arlington for a standalone um, porch or awning of this size, um, you know, inches or feet or away from the house or whatnot. And, you know, would, would having an opinion from that group that such a thing is not feasible change this board's opinion? I don't know, but that's not before us. You know, I see this as a design preference. And, and absent, uh, absent a um, you know opinion letter, or or for lack of a better word, from that, I agree with you. Yeah, I. Um, that's I, that's kind of my hang up of of, you know, in my head of, you know, in my head, this is a, like you said, Miss Mellis, a design issue because we don't have any evidence in front of us that it's anything other than a design issue. Long way of saying I think I agree with you. Um, if there's no further discussion, I'll make a motion to to see where where our colleagues are. Um, 
I move that the Board of Zoning Appeals adopt the attached proposed resolution denying the variance V-11827-22-VA-1. Second. Second. Motion made by Ms. Malice and seconded by Ms. Freshman um, on the attached proposed resolution denying the variance. Is there any further discussion with the board? Hearing none, I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Aye. Ms. Clark. Aye. Mayor votes aye. The motion denying the variance passes four to zero. Apologies, Mr. Anderson. Not the result you wanted. Mr. Bowen, please call the next case. Yes, Mr. Kaplan, the next case is item uh, V-11828-22-UP-2. This is a use permit request by Michael Gronert and Annabelle Schoen on the owners to permit a left side setback of 7.6 feet to the addition, 6.6 feet to the eave, instead of 11 feet to the addition, 7 feet to the eave as required from the left side lot line. Regarding a new side addition to an existing simulated dwelling in the R27 zoning district on the premises known as 2733 South Yule Street within the Long Branch Creek Civic Association. Staff recommends that the board adopt the attached proposed resolution granting the use permit request with conditions. Please note that we did receive supplemental material for this case, including email correspondent from the applicant regarding their neighborhood outreach efforts, as well additional, as well as two additional letters um, of support. We have now uh, speakers signed up to speak on this case at this time. I'm sorry, did you say there are no speakers? No speakers, oh, that's correct. Any questions for staff? No questions for staff? Is the applicant or their representative with us? Please step forward. Being on Michael Brainerd, um, and my wife is here as well. Uh, we've lived in this house for 18 years, and um, we're trying to maintain its value as our family continues to grow. We're not interested in moving. Um, and this is a neighborhood where, you know, the houses were all built in the 40s. Um, 68 of the 165 properties have additions. Um, many, many, more than 41% of them are larger than ours. Um, and 13 of those properties have side additions with similar or larger vacancies. So I think we're within sort of the bounds of what's been done in our neighborhood already. We're very happy in the neighborhood and don't tend to move. Um, and uh, this 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 addition is going to be built behind an existing porch, so it will not be visible from the street, and it will not extend the overall width of the current home because it's it's aligned with the with the porch. It's about 40 square feet of total uh, extension. That's all I have. Any questions for the applicant? Yeah, I guess our only issue here was you know outreach, making sure that that the affected neighbors um, were aware of your project. And I'm, I'm just kind of looking. Now you have support from the people that live across the street on either side of you and in back. That's correct, yeah. Is that, yeah, we that's got the correct. final signatures uh, yesterday and sent them in. Did, did we get uh, 2734 across the street from you? No, that is a um, a, person who owns that property is renting it. And so we talked to the long-term renters and they said they can't see what we're talking about. So they said they're probably fine with it. But um, but yeah, the, the owner is not available to to contact. Yeah, he has 2732, but not 34. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's 
Anything further? Are there any anyone here to speak on this item? Thank you. Discussion with the board. Motion. Motion, Ms. Freshman. I move the Board of Zoning Appeals approve the attached proposed resolution <clears throat> granting use permit V-11828-22-UP1 dash 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 subject to the conditions listed. I'll second. Second, Ms. Clark. Any further discussion? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's approvable. I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Aye. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. Motion, uh, motion granting this use permit passes four to zero. Mr. Bowen, please call the next case. Uh, yes, I'll note that the next case uh, and order on the agenda is case number V-11829-22-UP-1 uh, for 913 North Ivy Street, which was approved in a group motion at the beginning of the hearing. Uh, subsequent to that, uh, the next case on the agenda is one that we considered as a possibility for deferral. This case number V-11830-23-VA-1 for 36036 uh, before we continue, can I inquire of the applicant whether they would like to be heard or seek a deferral? Um, no, not um, almost. Let me um, let me ask of the board if they have any questions for staff, since I think we're hearing the case. Okay, please. <laughs> Good evening, board. Uh, board, thank you for your work on this and for your consideration. I'm Jeff Parcells Johnson, the owner of the house, uh, the co-owner with my wife, Brittany Parcells Johnson. Um, in our letter of justification, we made uh, a case for your consideration, your full consideration, and we are aware of some debates about whether these are becoming uh, recurrent in general. And so I'd just like to speak to one aspect of that, um, which is I'm running for my village. Uh, homeowners Association Board, the votes are happening now, and if elected, I'll work to try to bring the villages together and do something about this at a bigger level. Thank you. Word is getting out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate your thoughtful letter of, and comments. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that, you know, we're a political organization as such. Um, and so I don't know if to refer to this maybe politicized issue in your community, but it's not politicized among the board. We're just trying to figure out how to navigate a situation that um, um, there is no real good solution for right now. Ms. Freshman. You ready for a motion? <clears throat> I, I believe we are, are. Are there any speakers here for or against this proposal? No speakers have signed up. Assuming none, Ms. Freshman. Following up on the Fairlington tradition, I move the vote of zoning appeals, adopt the attached proposed resolution, 
approving variance V-11830-23-VA1, dash 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 subject to the conditions listed. We have a second. I'll second. Motion made by Ms. Freshman and seconded by Ms. Clark. Is there any further discussion? Yeah, I, I just want to reiterate the, you know, you will get your use permit. I believe the board will adopt. But the next guy and the next guy, um, and the fact that you had to make an application and you had to pay a fee to come before us um, when there is other remedies uh, for, for this situation that would involve you not having to pay a fee and not having to come before us, which we would support. And the multi-month delay as someone who has been through this process um, himself as well, right? Like I, I feel your pain and I think most of us would agree that you probably shouldn't have to be here. But at the same time, I'm not sure that we can forever grant these as they keep coming to us. Yes, yeah, so somehow you've got to pass it forward. <laughs> <laughs> Any further discussion? I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. The motion to grant this application passes 4-2-0. Mr. Bowen, I believe we have one more case. Uh, the very next case on the agenda was um, case number V-11831-23-VA-1. I just want to acknowledge that that was deferred by the BZA at the start of the hearing to the May 2023 uh, BZA hearing next month. Um, the follow-up case to that is case number V-11832-23-UP-1. This is a use permit request by John M. Ingle III, the owner, to remit a rear setback of 7.4 feet to the above-ground pool instead of 25 feet as required regarding a new one-family dwelling and above-ground pool in the R10 zoning district on the premises known as 4425 33rd Road North within the Golf Branch Civic Association. Staff recommends that the board adopt the attached proposed resolution granting the use permit request with conditions. Please note that supplemental material has been submitted for this case. Um, we have email correspondent with the adjacent neighbor to the north, um, as well as five BZA comment forms. Um, and then we also have two speakers who have signed up to speak for this case, um, Jamie Gillen, as well as Jason Deach. Questions for staff? I do. In in the materials, and again, you know, maybe you're going to direct me to the applicant. Is there an exhibit that clearly shows how much of this pool is above ground? I really had trouble looking at at the drawings to see what's below and what's above. If there's a if there's a I had a similar version of that question as well. If there's an exhibit that would elucidate that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there was a section, but then it didn't really show, it showed the grade, but not the, not the pool. Yeah, I would certainly say from a staff from a staff perspective in terms of BZA staff, um, for these sorts of determinations as to what constitutes an above ground pool versus an in ground pool, um, we rely a lot on coordination with our colleagues on the zoning plan review team. Um, so their read of these documents might be different from ours, but I would say that I would generally agree with you that I don't think there's a clear exhibit demonstrating that, um, probably to at least a layperson. Yeah. Um, okay. That's. 
that's my question. I just I'm trying having trouble visualizing what what we're looking at, and so the applicant will have to use their arms. Yes, yeah, so the applicant <laughs> may be able to clarify something that we're not seeing um, as people who are not as familiar with the project. So you you I have a second question. Is there a different standard for an in-ground pool versus an above-ground pool in terms of coverage or setbacks or anything? Yeah, main distinguishing factor is that above-ground pools um, do not count towards coverage, but do require setback um, um, placement and you know compliant setback locations. Um, whereas in-ground pools do count towards coverage, but are not assessed for setbacks. So an in-ground pool can be put put off the property line. Uh, I would say primarily a lot of pool requirements rely with the um, inspection services division overseeing the building code related to um, like fire and life safety um, and, you know, might require like a fence around the pool. So there are certain setback requirements, but they're not zoning standards. Okay. So, yes, from a zoning perspective, an in-ground pool could be, you know, basically up to the lot line. So in-ground pool adds to coverage. And is the coverage just the area where the water is or is it also the deck around the pool? You know, that is a good question that I don't know offhand. That's something we could look into. Okay. <laughs> it would be a patio does not, a, a, an background patio does not add to lot coverage. Yeah, my general understanding, and I'm, I don't want to speak universally for all pool projects, but I believe the pool projects I have seen, um, the patio would only count around the pool if it was more than eight inches above grade. Um, but again, that's only applied to one or two projects, not every pool project. Right. And then the there's, there's a design, you know, design issue of how how that deck would be designed okay yes thank you mm -hmm. any further questions for staff i have a question for staff um can you help me understand where the cutoff is for in ground versus above ground for that determination right so this this pool is somewhat below ground mm -hmm. somewhat above ground so like what what would make that determine what makes that difference it's a, it can be dependent upon, you know, the slope of the grade, but really if more than like 50% of the walls supporting the pool are above grade, then it can count as above ground. And I guess that can get pretty tricky if we're in a hill. Yes, uh, that is why we rely so heavily on our colleagues on the zoning plan review team for this sort of project. Okay. So, so Mr. Bone, can you repeat that? Um, so, yeah, it depends on kind of how the pool walls are configured, the walls surrounding you know, the pool edge um, holding the water. Um, if they're more than 50 percent above grade, then if, it would if more if the wall of the pool is more than 50 percent above grade. Yeah. Or more than like if it's built into the edge of the hill, if more than 50 percent of a wall is exposed. So in this case, then by definition, at least 50 percent of this pool is above grade. Correct. OK, well, that helps. It's a starting point. It's <laughs> a starting point. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, please. I'm, I'm going to switch I'm subjects. Just, just piling onto your. So while you're not clear exactly how it's designed, somehow in plan review, they were clear on how this was designed Correct. and could make that determination that this was. There are plans somewhere. That are plans somewhere sufficient enough to make that decision. Yes. All right. We might we might eventually need to see those two. <laughs> So I have um, switching subjects a little bit. I have I don't know if it's a question or just a comment for my fellow colleagues that it seems based on the um, feedback, the neighbor outreach forms, that one of the issues in this case is safety and welfare of this pool um, above ground to the neighbors further downstream. And I guess my 
struggle in, in, and again, we haven't heard from anyone yet, but my struggle in reviewing this material was um, how much of that is this board's purview versus the Arlington County staff whose job it is to approve this pool and make sure that it is structurally sound and, and not going to leak and have all of the, I'm sure, what are massive requirements for this type of a project. And, and so for that's kind of my struggle in reviewing this case material. I don't know if that's a, a question or if you have a comment based on that. Um, and all of the speakers that are lined up that speak can clearly speak to that as well. Yeah, uh, the vast majority of projects that the BZA sees, you know, maybe absent like some very small shed, for instance, um, will require a building permit and a building permit will have to get reviewed by zoning division staff. Um, in this case, you know, the preliminary, you know, zoning rejection comment would be that, you know, the pool doesn't meet setback comment or doesn't meet setback standards, which is why they're here. But they would also need to go under review by um, our colleagues on the inspection services division to make sure the pool meets, um, you know, the Virginia Uniform Statewide Building Code for building and or fire and life safety, um, which would, of course, partially address some of the safety issues brought up, um, as well as review by the Department of Environmental Services, which, you know, could address issues such as drainage and stormwater management and those sorts of things. And and you might not know the answer to this, but has this applicant has had those at least preliminary discussions with those folks, or is this the first stop? Uh, I will let the applicant uh, respond. We spoke okay. to them at the beginning of the process, but I don't know who, uh, who else have they spoken to since that time. Thank you. I believe Ms. Freshman has a Yeah, I, I think this discussion is important because it does it does point out, as we have other cases where stormwater is an issue and other drainage issues and who's downhill and who's uphill. Um, it isn't it isn't our our expertise or purview right. to get into the engineering and technical aspects of that. Um, if it's if this board deems that it's per, uh, permitted, then there still is a lot of very rigorous um, technical review yet to come. But it would it would be interesting to hear from the applicants in terms of where they are in that continuum, vis-a-vis um, -vis coming here, um, or where or where some of the staff reviews of their project did that result in their coming here, which is frequently the case when right. somebody tries to get a permit or tries to get something done and they go, "Whoops, you can't do that without permission." So that will be helpful. Thank you, Ms. Freshman. Mr. Um, Chairman? Yes, Ms. Mallis. We also had supplemental material on this case, correct? Yeah. And, and, That's and correct, it, yes. Can you describe that, please? I can describe that. We had email correspondence from the adjacent neighbor to the north. That's located at 3400 North Utah Street. Um, they sent a total of two emails, and they also provided five photos. And we also see five BZA comment forms, which have been attached. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. Um, before I call the applicant up, is there? Can you can you put up the best picture we have of this hill that we can look at while we have our our applicant speaking? Up, yeah. oh, go back, go, go back. back. Yeah. That one. I think that is that. Otherwise, if, if my memory is correct, yeah, there. I think that's the applicant can speak to this, but I am imagining that that's the location of the pool. Okay, I think we're ready for the applicant. Welcome. Good evening, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, and members of the BZA. Appreciate the opportunity. To... I'm sorry, are you Mr. Engel? I'm sorry. I am John Engel, yes. 
Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm accompanied by my wife, uh, as well as our engineer, Rob Abelmuna, and our builder, Panikos Michael, who can address any technical questions you have. Before I start, I did want to address a couple of the points that you had in your board discussion. Um, in terms of the percentage, uh, our understanding from our initial dialogue is that 50% was the mandatory minimum uh, for an above ground pool. Uh, and our uh, plans are as reflected in, in what is page 19 of the online application materials, which is probably 24 or 25 with the staff report at the front. Uh, our plan is to go slightly above 50% to ensure that it is appropriately uh, qualified as an above ground pool. Um, and, and Ms. Freshman, to your point about uh, the subsequent requirements, we have not, it became very clear at the beginning of this process that we could not file our permit applications without getting a use permit, that it would be impossible to move forward with, the, our permit would be rejected. So we have come here before you for this use permit. Uh, we have not gone through the structural engineering. We obviously need to go through the structural engineering, um, both for the retaining wall that will surround the pool, uh, the significant steel reinforcement in that retaining wall, as well as the steel reinforcement in the pool itself, uh, and the footers uh, that are gonna go underneath that uh, steel reinforcement that are gonna surround the pool. All of that is a subsequent step, and, and a lot of the comments that you've seen in the supplemental material, as well as in the letter we received during neighborhood outreach, which we then responded to, uh, are premised on um, that not existing. But again, we can't get to that point unless and until we get a use permit, and that's why we're here tonight, and we appreciate your consideration of our application. We concur wholeheartedly with staff's recommendation that the BZA uh, grant, uh, adopt a proposed resolution granting the use permit. Uh, on the stormwater and drainage concerns, we acknowledge those, um, and we acknowledge that those already exist uh, in this neighborhood. Uh, they exist already, uh, and there's nothing about this use permit that is going to adversely affect the storm, stormwater and drainage. In fact, because we need to file a stormwater plan with a maintenance and monitoring agreement as part of our permitting process, we anticipate from our preliminary stormwater plans that we will in fact reduce the amount of stormwater and drainage um, coming off the property. Obviously, we can't control anyone else's stormwater or drainage on the adjacent properties that already exists as well. Uh, but we can't control the stormwater and drainage off of our property. As to the structural concerns, as I mentioned, and as Ms. Freshman mentioned, everything about this pool project has to go through Arlington County. There's a permitting process. There's going to be an engineering review of the pool itself and of the retaining wall and of the, uh, the pool structural integrity as it relates to the topography and the potential for any failure. And our firm belief and expectation is our structural engineer will not sign off on plans that are not fully structurally uh, integral with the existing uh, land, number one. And number two, it is our firm commitment and belief that Arlington County permitting, uh, the, the individuals responsible for the engineering reviews and permitting reviews are also not gonna sign off on our permit 
unless we have ensured that the structural integrity is completely sound and avoids any issue for us or anyone else in the community caused by any potential theoretical structural defect. That's the whole point of going through, as Ms. Freshman was describing earlier, the permitting uh, process and the engineering review with the county when we go through the permitting process. We have looked uh, and tried to find an instance where a 50% plus above ground pool has structurally failed in Arlington County or in Northern Virginia or within the surrounding uh, DMV region. We have not found one. We're not aware of one, and we're not aware of an engineer who signed off on one that's failed. The whole point of the construction process and the engineering process is to ensure that the pools don't fail. And we are confident that this pool will be fail. Thank you very much. And if you have any clarifying questions now or after the other speakers, be happy to address them. Mr. Chairman? Yes, Ms. Malice. Do you want, how do you want it? Do you want it? Allow questions of the applicant now or after the speakers? Um, I think we can do both, but I, I would be inclined to hear questions now while the speaker is here and his speech has fresh in my mind. Either. So are you saying that this pool has not been engineered yet? The engineering plan, we've got preliminary uh, engineering plans, conceptual preliminary engineering plans, but the engineering itself is an integral part of the permitting process. I don't understand why that's the case. Um, often we have, when we have projects before us, they've been fleshed out, there's plans, and, and everybody can see exactly what, what is going to happen. If, um, and, I, and I certainly understand that and I appreciate that. Um, the cost of engineering this pool in the event the board decides not to grant this resolution, um, is excessive okay. because of the amount of engineering that is going to be required by the county after this step and to invest that time and that money um, and come here and the board decide based on our application or based on the comments that it's not going to grant the resolution um, that is a significant significant investment uh, in a house that we are committing a very significant investment into for us and for our our children and our grandchildren. Um, this is our retirement home. This is our last home. So, so what you you have a little bit of a chicken and egg problem here, because I, I'm I am presuming that your neighbors, you know, want to be assured that you know, there won't be any structural failure. And yet, you know, you really don't have anything in hand now that can de demonstrate that to them. Uh, I'm just putting that out there. I don't expect an answer, but I think that that's going to be part of the issue here. And, and, and I understand that issue. Piggyback too. Pardon? I mean, pi uh, piggyback as well. Usually when we get, especially a new build, and this is a, a whole house new build, um, typically we would we would see for use permits, the actual aesthetics and what what the design looks like um, for the neighborhood outreach in in this, and we have not had that before us. So we're just we're trying to just think kind of that. assess, you know, how how this case is going to proceed. Un un understood. Um, I, I mean, based on my reading of the comments, and it's only my reading, 
I'm not sure there's any engineering plans that would address the concerns. Uh, I could be wrong, yeah, but I, 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 point. yeah, I don't think there's any engineering. The, the way the comments are written, any above ground pool um, is a theoretical danger to those to the north. Um, and I don't think any level of engineering planning is going to change that. Uh, and that became apparent in the first letter that we received that we then responded to. And it's apparent in the form letter submissions that are basically duplicates of that that came through the BZA portal um, from others who are distant from the property. Um, so again, that investment for us, we, we've got the preliminary con conceptual engineering plans of the pool, the pool depth, the retaining wall, the pool coverage, um, but to do a full set of engineering plans just doesn't make economic sense okay. given can, the scale of the rest of the investment. Yeah, we can evaluate, you know, the, the strength of the opposition. Can, do you, can you tell us in our staff report which exhibit is the most likely to help us? Um, so I mean, you can, I, look at our, you can look at a paper copy if, if that's easier. Um, may I approach? Yes. So, yeah, it's applicant is is showing us pool exposure detail lot seven, um, and I don't know if it has a sheet date. I don't see a sheet number. Um, but anyway, it's there's it's it adjoins this one. And so in in this, what are we looking at in this document here? Um, I, I could address that or our engineer could probably address that more directly if that would be acceptable. Yeah, why don't, why don't we hear from the engineer before we go to uh, neighborhood comments? Good evening, board. Good evening. Uh, my name is Rob Appleman. I work with Land Design Consultants representing the owner. Um, the civil who prepared these calculations, so I could probably help uh, answer some questions. Um, the calculations are very unique, so I understand your questions. We work very closely with zoning staff um, in BZA just to make sure that they're accurate. We're representing it correctly. Um, so what you see on the first image that you were just describing, um, the pool exposure computations. Is it this? Uh, the not that one. That's the retaining wall profile. I'm sorry. Is it this one you were holding up? No, I was. Nope. He, he had directed us to this. Okay, that um that one's good. We could look at that one first. That one's probably the best representation of what's going on. So that's the profile of the retaining that's wall. That's the profile. Okay. From the outside. So from one end of the retaining wall to the other end, that's what's happening. You could see um the grade going up on the edges. So so this these vertical lines represent the end of the pool. I'm sorry, this is the retaining wall sheet. Um, <laughs> but that's the retaining wall detail sheet. Um, this 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 pool exposure detail okay. um, related to the calculations on that. Okay. We're trying to get a visual. We're trying to understand what it looks like. Okay, so the the horizontal the vertical lines are the end of the pool. So each end. 
or are we looking at it? So the the top horizontal line is the um, the top of the retaining wall and pool. Um, the lines that you see going down and then up at the bottom of that image, that is the grade. Um, the, the dark line. Existing grade. The existing grade is the light dash line and the dark line is the proposed grade. So we did an overlay of everything so you could kind of see any grade transitions occurring. Um, and what you see is the hatch stippled on the vertical image. That is the retaining wall exposure that you would see from one end of the wall to the other. So you could see the, the highest part um, of the wall is 5.3 feet from existing grade. And that's how Arlington County zoning measures retaining wall heights from natural grade, not finished grade. So um, you could see the existing grade and proposed grade are almost the same, but that's the height that's labeled uh, based on how the code defines um, uh, retaining wall heights. Still orienting myself, is, is, is this to the back of the lot? Or are we looking at it? So, so the stationing, um, so zero plus zero on the left side is where the retaining wall begins on the westernmost corner. Westernmost uh, corner. So that is the left side. You look at the picture up there. Can you orient us? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. okay. There's a grade, the grade drops off in two directions. Is that correct? To the back and to the side? The knot moves back so you get further along on the right side of the lot. So uh, it does drain to the right uh, for most of the backyard. And then as you get towards the Right one third, I guess, towards the right rear. That's where it will spill over to rear the property. Um, and I have a, a county topographic map that where you all have the GIS map available where you can also kind of see that too. We also have a field shop topographic mapping uh, that I can distribute to all if you don't have. Okay, and we also have a uh, plan view, right? Let's see. Let's see which one you're looking at. Yeah, that's this, right? Yeah, that's the plan view. I have a much bigger version. Um, we, uh, the BZA uh, or the the coordinators for the BZA requested that we print on smaller sheets to try to make it um, so able so you all can print in case you're not viewing online. Yeah. But I understand it's very hard to read. We can. This is fine. I okay. We can and I also have a 24 by 36 blow up, you know, of the site to scale that I can share.
So. Question for Mr. Bowen. So yes, Ms. Malice. The, the proposed resolution references architectural drawings attached to the staff report. This was my this is one of my main concerns here is that in almost every application that this board um, deals with, we have architectural drawings which lay out much more of the aesthetics of the project so that um, we can make the, the neighborhood compatibility determination. Yes, yes. Um, we do have preliminary elevations and sketch ups of it, but we were not under the understanding that it had to be included since the house was a by right. Um, the house, the wall, the patio are all by right. We're mostly here for the pool, but of course you need to consider the whole thing. Exactly. So everything's by right, but I do have elevations I could share. Um, well, just just let me finish with staff here on this question. Sorry, so, I sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> so if if you were to enforce the condition of architectural drawings, what would you rely on? Uh, in this case, we would consider the architectural drawings. I, I suppose that's loose terminology uh, referring to the attached documentation uh, to the staff report. Um, but of course, the BZA is welcome to change that to civil engineering drawings or some other term if they see that as a better fit. I mean, this is we have sort of a I guess it's a plat that has the the pool drawn in. Um, and those dimensions on the plat are the dimensions that you would go with. They would be the absolutely most. Um, it either would be that or smaller. Um, as John said, he didn't hire a, the full pool designer because it's the chicken and the egg, but it, it absolutely won't be any larger or any closer to property lines than what's shown. OK. Any further questions from the applicant? I'm good for now. Let's hear from our first speaker. Thank and you. we might call you back. No problem. I'd be happy to talk about Thank anything. you. <laughs> Is this Miss um, Gillian? Good evening, board. My name is Jamie Gillen, and I live with my fiance at 3400 North Utah Street. I'm here tonight also with our neighbor, Harwood Hare, who's behind us. Um, we're here to ask that the board maintain the 25 foot setback uh, zoned for this pool. The first thing I'd like to draw your attention to is the extraordinary size of this pool that's, as we established above ground, it's 46 by 14 feet which is the majority of the yard. Um, and the fact that it will come within eight feet of our property line means that it is not, to quote the application, a minor side and rear yard encroachment. It's, it's quite an encroachment. Um, what hasn't been seen yet in photos, and they're starting to be illuminated here, is that the edge of their property sits on quite a steep hill that runs into our property and our house is built into a hill which then continues on down North Utah Street. In 
as uh, the engineer just stated, the water will be drained to the back, which would basically be onto our property. Um, and it's quite a steep hill. It would jeopardize our trees, our azalea bushes, the children's play area. We have quite a number of children that live on our street. And effectively, what this application does is transfer all of the risk of the heavy weight of the water onto us uh, in North Utah Street, our property in particular, but our neighbors as well. <clears throat> we really value the hill, the, the property, the trees, the canopy, and we simply request that the 25-foot setback be maintained. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions for this applicant? I'm, I'm sorry, the, for we, this neighbor. Are there two speakers? I think there is a second speaker. I, I, I can wait until you're both speakers. I have a question. I Please. guess if if the um, neighbor has had a chance to read the response that the uh, was written to your concerns in the letter. Yes, we have had a chance to read the response, which we received just before we also received the invitation to this meeting. Um, it didn't not clarify all of our questions and and comments specifically, and I know Jason is going to address some of these in his comments as well, um, about where the water from this immense pool is going to drain, uh, about the insurance that would be sufficient to cover such a pool on such a precipice of a hill, um, and some for other things that simply were either uh, not responded to, um, for example, we suggested that they move the location of the pool onto a different part of their property uh, that wasn't responded to in the letter we received. Have you had an opportunity for a face-to-face -face talk? No, not at this time. Okay. Any other questions? Actually, I'd like to amend what you just asked about the face-to-face. -face. They did come and drop off the initial letter so before I had a chance to review what they had requested, I would also say that they came on a day I'm recovering from extensive knee surgery, and it was pretty soon after the knee surgery. I happened to be home alone, and so uh, I answered the door and was having difficulty standing. So it was a quite abbreviated discussion simply because I wasn't able-bodied. Okay. Hope you're better now. Getting there. <laughs> Getting there. Thank you for sharing your views. Thank you. Mr. Deitch? Yeah, Deitch. Deitch, sorry. Yes, so I'm Jason Deitch. I'm the co-owner of the 3400 North Utah property. I want to emphasize that we estimate this pool would contain over 100 tons of water, and it's at the top of a hill that's about 12 feet above our home's ground level and about 20 feet above the foundation beneath our basement. This is a large pool. And it's so close to the property line, which is why we are asking the board to maintain that 25-foot rule, which we think is there for very good reasons. Not only is the is this 50% above grade, it's the whole pool is well above our property line. If anything goes wrong, all of the risk comes to us. There would also be insufficient soil to absorb any accidental or intentional discharge of that much water, even if discharged slowly. All of the risk and mud would flow down to the North Utah Street properties, which stand to lose value. Any solution relying on gravity to drain that quantity of water will ultimately flow through North Utah Street properties. Insufficient assurances have been presented to us regarding what that water solution is, 
and the insurance plan that would cover damages if that water solution fails. We are being asked to sign a blank check. Mr. Engel and Ms. Husieta reached out to four neighbors on 33rd Road North who would not bear significant risk. They're all, they're not downhill from the proposed site of the pool. Only one home on North Utah Street was contacted of the several that could be impacted due to the slope of the hill. And our backyard also slopes to the sides. Anything that comes to us is going to flow sideways around the house a bit. It's also gonna come out the house. Um, only one home on North Utah Street was contacted. The five cases presented in the application do not represent an accurate consensus of impacted homeowners. In closing, Mr. Engel and Ms. Susieta have presented a plan that transfers all risks to their neighbors in contradiction to Arlington County's best practices. We ask the board to reject the deviation from county zoning ordinances and protect our trees and foliage. Thank you. Are there questions for this? I, I do. Um, Mr. Deach, I, yes. I want to clarify that the applicant did do his due diligence as far as our instructions were concerned. Mm -hmm. We we asked that the applicants contact the neighbors immediately adjacent, and, and they did. So the fact that they didn't contact more, uh, perhaps you know, they could have. I did want to bring to the attention that but, because our, the, ho the, uh, the but, post slope also goes to the side, but, it would affect our neighbors. But they did comply with our direction, yes. so they're, they're not at fault there. Um, I understand now and i think they understand now that you know more outreach would have been appropriate but they they're not at fault as far as the outreach goes mm -hmm. uh, i think there's a lot to talk about but the question in my mind is what would be sufficient assurance to the the north side homeowners that you know, any unforeseen yeah, I issues think 25 feet of ground would eliminate a lot of that risk that gives them space to absorb that water. Let Any solution that involves just moving the water around via storming without pumping it uphill or otherwise getting it off of the property, it's going to flow to us. You can only you can put it in the ground slowly in line with Arlington County best practices for draining. Up. So you're saying there's that, nowhere to put that water. So you're saying that. Um, you would just want an up and down decision from us. You don't want any further exploration. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm, so I'm a, I'm a scientist by training. I am not aware of a solution uh, that has been presented that would, um, that would not transfer all the water risk to our property. Nothing has been presented and we're being asked to well, come okay. to a decision with really no facts presented I about understand. how they're going to do this. So, but are you open to additional dialogue on this subject? Yes. Okay. I think 25 feet would be the best way to resolve the problem, however. Are you open to any other solutions besides that? Uh, I would look at a more sophisticated plan, uh, but the risk uh, again is not being borne. Is that by is that a others. yes or a no? I'm I'm, I'm trying. We're trying to figure out whether we're going to make a decision tonight or whether we're going to have a further discussion with you and the neighbors and and the applicant. No, I'm always open to a hypothetical solution. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm always open to that. Yes. Okay. If. If we had a hypothetical insurance product that allowed unlimited coverage, and I am not an insurance expert, and I, I'm just trying to understand where we are, no. would that help? No. Okay. No, the the financial loss uh, is only a very small part of flood damage. I know people have been affected by floods. Uh, it's it's so destructive. The money, yes, we could build a new home, but it wouldn't be the same. So I'm I don't know where my colleagues are on this, whether we would vote for this or against this. Um, 
it seems to me that having additional conversations with the applicant to work out some of the questions that you have and maybe come up with some kind of a, a solution that you could live with might be in your best interest because I don't know if the board is going to approve or disapprove this application at this time. So I'm trying to gauge your willingness to enter into a good faith conversation to find a solution that that you can live with. Yes, as we as you mentioned, our, our response to our first letter, as Jamie mentioned, our, our response to our first letter came in very shortly before this hearing was declared, and sure. we felt we had to show up and make sure that there wasn't a hasty decision. Sure. Um, but we would be open to, you know, uh, you know, delaying the decision for some period of time while we discuss that and see if a, a more reasonable plan can be laid out. Uh, but right now, I, you know, the unknowns are so large that I wanted to make sure we made an appearance. Okay, this is just from my standpoint. I don't know where my colleagues are on this, but I, I would look for a deferral where you could. So may I ask a question, um, sort of a statement of fact here, um, given that this is a requesting a deviation from the county practice, what is sort of the standard of evidence needed to grant that deviation? So you can. Yeah, um, I, you know, I get, in my opening remarks, I had given the um, the standards and if I, they're also in the staff they're report. They're also in the They're staff. also in the staff report. Yes, but my understanding is it had to be a significant benefit. Would so standard number one is would the proposed would the proposal adversely affect the health or safety of the persons residing in the neighborhood? Would the proposal be detrimental to the public welfare or injurious uh, to property or improvements in the neighborhood? And three, would it, the proposal be in conflict with the purposes of the master plan and land use zoning related policy of the of the county? Yes. Because in addition to the flood concern, um, those those trees, if you can see in some of those photos, some of those trees are, I'd estimate, 30 feet of height and starting in their root system starts 10 feet above the foundation level. These are very large trees. If there's sufficient erosion on the hill, we've already had to hire an arborist to remove a large tree at our expense uh, because it was beginning to tilt towards the house. Uh, one of those trees could do very significant damage to our home. So that's where the injurious part uh, came up for me. All right. So. Um... Uh, so I, I think we have to give the applicant a, a, an opportunity to respond and also to figure out, you know, how they would like to proceed. I have, uh, I'm trying to formulate my comment in my head, so I might I might mess this up. I'm having a little bit of, of trouble with um, the solution here being to to just impose the 25 foot setback um, because, you know, one, one of the things we have to do as a board in 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 those three standards is to um, determine what compatibility with the neighborhood is. And staff in their report has provided a list of, I think three or four um, comparables of, you know, one, I think one was a pool, one was an ice hockey rink and that um, sort of thing. An in-ground pool, I should add. I'm, I'm sorry? An in-ground pool, I'm familiar with the pool in question. Um, and and so like that, you know, that part part of part of that determinant, you know, is it compatible? Is is an eight foot setback compatible? I don't know, we're, we're gonna discuss that, but you know, if, if the applicant were to come back and okay, 12 feet, is that compatible? Well, you know, it's a sliding scale. And so I'm not comfortable with, oh, well, we're just gonna adhere to the 25 foot because the the mm -hmm. um, the use permit criteria, excuse me, criteria are, you know, unlike a variance, have much more leeway for this board to approve. Yes, I understand that. Uh, I will say that I think the, the, the pool that does have a short setback is uh, sort of apples to oranges because it is entirely below ground that, gives a little bit more protection to us. We've never had a problem with overflow from that pool. And are, are you aware of any above ground pool that has catastrophically failed? Uh, one can find examples on the internet, yes. And lots of leakage. I mean, it doesn't have to be sudden. It can be a small underground leak 
there's with only seven feet of soil to absorb that, the mud is coming our way. No, no risk is being borne by Mr. Angus property. Um, I think we could hear from the, hear from the applicant. applicant. Let him Thank you. respond. Thank you. I, I appreciate your, we, I think we, we, we found the comments helpful. Thank you. A brief response. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and members. Um, so one of the alternative solutions that was proposed was to put the pool in our front yard. There's no interpretation of the county's rules or regulations that would allow us to build the pool in the front yard. It would fail on every criterion that you're applying at this hearing tonight. Putting it on the side yard is also not an option. The one side yard is uh, too small. The other side yard uh, actually would increase the risk of water flow because it's tilted even more significantly downhill towards their home uh, and towards North Utah Street. Um, the the next door neighbor has an in-ground pool, as was just mentioned, that is three feet from the setback on the same hill. And that pool has experienced no structural integrity issues. Yes, it is in-ground. Pool integrity issues arise in ground or above ground. That pool on the same hill has experienced no structural integrity issues. Arlington County signed off on that pool. They were granted a variance actually by this board uh, and then a permit and they built a pool. Um, the, the idea of water sloshing um, from a pool isn't consistent with pool engineering. And I'm not a pool engineer, but I have a pool in my current home. Um, water flow outside of a pool because of the way uh, pools are built and the way pools are filled uh, is minimal to non-existent. Um, and our uh, plans for this pool, once we get to the full plans, are going to be designed to ensure there is no runoff from the pool. Arlington County requires us to discharge any water 10 feet from a property line on our property, period, full stop. And that's a requirement that's going to be accompanying the permit if the permit is granted that we not discharge water off of our property. So I, I appreciate the opportunity for further dialogue. Uh, I think the dialogue is going to be 25 feet or no, and we can't obviously put it at 25 feet. That's where the house is. Um, and I don't think there is another viable solution other than this. And, and with the backyard, which you've seen, you've seen that slope. Without a pool there, without a 50% above ground pool, all the water that currently comes down that they're concerned about, and he mentioned the tree, that has nothing to do with our pool. That water is there today. It has nothing to do with this use permit request. The hazards that they're concerned about have to do with the topography of the existing hillside, nothing to do with the pool itself. The pool itself is not going to aggravate. It will actually, with our stormwater management, reduce runoff. Um, and we don't see an issue from an integrity perspective or a public um, uh, safety perspective, any issue with the construction of this pool is Mr. Chairman? Yes, Ms. Malice. Um, is there any information that would uh, help us understand if there's a difference 
between in failure of a pool between an above ground and a below ground. And that's I'm not I'm you know it's a question that I I think I'm not expecting you to under know, but the fact that there's a below ground pool that you know can fail. And that doesn't seem to be a concern that the fact that it's an above ground pool that could fail. I, I, I would like to be educated on, on the difference of that. Um, I, I think one of the, the kind of trickier things here from your part is that you don't have more details about exactly how this is going to be built. And so that that's kind of on you uh, in terms of how you persuade people that everything's going to be okay. Uh, but as I mentioned before, I don't know how this board is going to vote, whether it would vote up or down tonight. Uh, so generally a dialogue. And if, if you come back and you say that, you know, the only option that was considered was either where it is or 25 feet away, you know, we would be disappointed <laughs> if that was the only right. give that there was. But um, especially without some kind of evidence that that 25 feet means something right right yeah. and, and there's nothing before us before right. us that that, that right. would um you don't you're done <laughs> you, so the question is um you know do you feel that you could make some progress taking some time to talk to not just you know the people that are here but the people that you know also sent us letters to you know, further explain and answer questions. And do you feel that you could make progress or would it be worth your while? I I, I think it would be very worth our while. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, the, the one other alternative I'll just mention that was mentioned for in the letter to us was to put it, it completely in ground. And the problem, as was mentioned by staff at the outset, that in ground pool, if it's 100% in ground, sure. it counts towards lot coverage. And uh, we'd have to cut our house in half. And that's that's why I ask if there's really a, if there's a failure, is there likely to be a, a greater failure with an above ground pool versus a below a, a completely you know if 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 that is a completely moot point, and that might be something your engineer can, you know, talk about. Absolutely, and and to your to your point about the further dialogue, I would be my wife would be our engineer and our builder would be more than happy to take the further dialogue, and if it would be appropriate. Uh, I would uh, take the opportunity to ask you to defer uh, acting on the application tonight in furtherance of that dialogue. Okay. Uh, and allow us to, uh, if you would consent, allow us to come back at your May meeting, uh, present the results of that dialogue, as well as any additional information that we're able to present regarding the engineering and the structural integrity. And do you think May is enough time? Yes, sir. Because that means. Mr. Bowen, I, I assume that no drawings would change at this point, but I don't know if they. Yes, potentially if further discussions led to design changes that you know could potentially affect setbacks um, and we advertise this case, which we'll be doing, um, our management will be advertised this coming Monday. So it only really lead a few days if any design changes were going to happen. And that's really not enough time for us to do a full review and analysis. So June could be appropriate unless um, our applicants are very absolutely confident that there will be no design change. Well, if no, you know, if we start off with no change, it's not a, it's not a good faith place to start. <laughs> right. And and I don't 
and I, I, you know, again, I've said this now two or three times, and I, I don't know how my colleagues on the board feel without the the renderings of at least the pool, um, let alone the rest of the house in in our decision for compatibility. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on 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 wanting that or not wanting that, but it would be helpful. Yeah, if if you mentioned, I think, or your your engineer mentioned that they have some some sketches already. So share those with the with your neighbors and and maybe bring them to us when you when you come in, back. In June, it sounds like. Yeah, I think it's gonna be June. What is the date of the Mr. June fourteen? Thank you, Meg. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the ball there. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you. So we're going to make them. Uh, I don't know everybody else's. I'm just going to make a couple of observations. I certainly think that further dialogue is important, and I think better, uh, more informative exhibits are important. And I personally have a lot of confidence in the county engineer and, and inspection people. Um, so I, on balance, I can see the project going forward. I think the problem and and encroaching in the 25 foot setback is common in in our applications, as it turns out. But I think that there isn't another place for the pool, <laughs> and so I I have a little bit of trouble seeing how everything is reconciled. Um, given the topography and the downhill slope to Utah. And when I was there on Utah Street, it was pretty overwhelming. Nevertheless, I think it's worth exploring. Um, and if we cut the baby in half, nobody's going to be entirely happy. But we'll we'll see if there are some alternatives to um, that can um, address some of the issues that have been raised in in the ensuing two months. Mr. Chairman. Yes, Ms. Mellis. Yeah, I I I think as a starting point, just getting everybody on the same page factually is a is will be good, and answering any preliminary questions and. Um, discussing you know in the event of a failure kind of what would happen you know just just laying out those elements so that everybody's heard them um and and that we you know everybody's starting from the same place uh, yeah there probably isn't a lot of room you know personally again failure question above ground pools versus below ground pools I, you know we've I don't I just don't know if there's a you know if that's different. So, you know, the idea that, you know, if it was a below ground pool, everything would be okay. I I don't know. I, I can't evaluate that either. Um, but the pool next door seems to be okay. So But then it becomes a coverage issue. And it becomes a coverage issue. Yeah. So I'm saying I'm not saying that's gonna that we ought to do below ground. I just think we need to sort that issue out because that seems to be a key issue for the neighbors is that somehow this is going to have a higher failure rate. But um, just getting everybody on the same page factually so that every, you know, so that when everybody comes back, um, you know, maybe minds haven't been changed, but at least everybody's heard everybody else and um, everybody knows where they are. And we're going to upset someone, 
I think, on this case. We're going to upset someone on this case. Oh, well, you know, it's our experience that uh, applicants and neighbors can work issues through, especially when they don't know which way the board is going to vote. Um, and that does provide some motivation to uh, at least be a little flexible in, in their um, positions. We have a motion in this case. Whoever can find it first. <laughs> Um, I move that the Board of Zoning Appeals defer use permit V-11832-23-UP-1 to May 14 BZA hearing. Second. A motion made by Ms. Malice and seconded by Ms. Freshman to defer this item to the June 14th, 23 BZA hearing. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Aye. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. The motion for defer passes on a vote of 420. See you in June. Thank you. Thank you all for coming out. And We're Is there finished, any further yeah. business? I will quickly note that uh, the next case on the agenda, which would have been the very last, case number V-11833-23-UP-1 was approved in the group motion at the start of the hearing. Um, and then there are a few additional items. Um, you have your March 7th minutes and then a two items after that, if you would like to discuss very briefly. I move approval of the March 7, 2023 minutes. Second. Motion made by Ms. Uh, Freshman, seconded by Ms. Malice on the approval of the March 7th minutes. Assuming no further discussion, I will call the roll. Ms. Malice. Aye. Ms. Freshman. Aye. Ms. Clark. Aye. Chair votes aye. The minutes pass 420.